Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Blue White Illustrated live post-game show presented by On3 on YouTube. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Thomas Frank Carr. Penn State wins its home opener by a score of 46-10 to against the Ohio U Bobcats of the MAC. There is a lot to unpack from this victory. There's a lot of positivity, some head scratchers as well as you can imagine. We're going to dive into all that. Luckily, T. Frank is the analyst extraordinaire for Blue White Illustrated. I want to remind all of you, if you want to donate, to the Blue White Illustrated channel. Your questions will be highlighted in the comments section if you donate, and we'll address as many of those questions here live on the show that have donations behind them. And just a reminder, a subscription to Blue White Illustrated is just $1. Head to on3.com and search Blue White Illustrated for the homepage to sign up today. T. Frank, did I do that the way that you like to get the $1 thing out there? I know that's your thing. You nailed it. You nailed it. I, 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 this is why I love working with you because I can just put certain things on autopilot. And I can just sit here and talk about football. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, this game, uh, to a degree, felt like autopilot for the Penn State Nittany Lions against yeah. Ohio. The spread was about 24 and a half. I recommended to a lot of people to bet the over on this, and they really delivered 46 to 10. There's a lot to get in the weeds with in terms of positives, negatives looking ahead at the remainder of the season for Penn State. The two biggest headlines are two freshmen. Nick Singleton absolutely goes off in a way that many have expected him to. And at the same time, Drew Aller getting inserted into the game with about 11 and a half minutes left to play in the third quarter. That was a surprise to me. So let's start with the freshman and let's start with Singleton. How do you feel about what he put in the box score uh, on this Saturday? Uh, well, let's let's just take a look. Uh, he had 10 carries for 179 yards and two touchdowns. So a little bit better than his, I think, three yards a carry last week, averaged 17.9 today. But really, it was about uh, I love a lot of the things they're doing with him on offense. Now, in this game, we came in saying if Nick Singleton rips off a bunch of big runs, you were expecting that against this team. But he did it like there is not a, you can't discredit the fact that he ripped off those big runs. I love what they're doing in the offense, though. There's so much more multiplicity. There is a lot more variation in the run schemes, and they're using a lot of concepts to get him comfortable, things that he was doing in high school. So on uh, one of the plays that he scores the touchdown on, you've got uh, Sal Wormley leading him out in the open field. Um, this is not anything revolutionary, but doing a lot of pulling and, and not just on power counter kind of guy, uh, the plays that are inside the tackles, but really on those on those sweep plays, they're getting him out in space in ways that he's used to takes advantage of his speed to the corner. He's good with vision out on the perimeter. It's just an easier transition for him into the college football game. So that was phenomenal. I loved what they've been doing with him. They showed a little bit of it last week, but he only got nine carries. Uh, I guess he only had 10 this week, so not a huge difference, but he yeah. hit a bunch of those plays. So it was, um, I like what they're doing. And then some of the stuff that they're doing, he is just integrating better into the offense. The The last touchdown was a man concept where you're just blocking man on man. And he made a terrible decision for any other human where you bounce all the way outside, which is where the defense is trying to funnel you towards the contain, towards the guys that are unblocked. And he just ran around them for a touchdown. So Nick Singleton showing some vision, showing some extreme athleticism. It's just, it's all there. It's just about the patience and the timing and getting him in the right situations. 
It's something I've said on my show, uh, Pater at Penn State Football Show, with myself and my co-host, Matt McGloin. For those of you that are interested, it's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We were talking about in the recap episode we did after the Purdue victory that I wanted to see more of Nick Singleton because he struck me as an athlete, not identical to Saquon Barkley, but similar to Saquon Barkley, and that if you remember those seasons where Saquon was absolutely dominant, he did not exactly have the greatest offensive line behind him. And that's something that I think Nick Singleton can overcome. However, you do have to take this with a grain of salt, T. Frank, because this is a Mac opponent. So there were some instances where Singleton was getting out on the edge in a man-to-man situation. He's going to beat a Mac defender. How do you think this type of style works against a Big Ten or next week an SEC defender? So I like some of the things they're doing beside that. And that's kind of why I wanted to highlight the scheme because it's not just the super athlete. It's the ways that they're using him where he's comfortable in reading those plays. And it's about it, it's not about trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, because one of the things that we talked about in the preseason was how quickly can he get used to running in between the tackles? That's something he's used to from his high school film, but not in the zone scheme, much more of a gap scheme. Penn State has been trending this way anyway, but they're playing more man blocking schemes. They're doing a lot more of the, uh, you know, the other side of the coin in football. There's zone, there's man. That's two general buckets you can put runs in. They have been primarily an inside zone team, but what they've been doing over the last two years, especially, is as teams are trying different ways to shut that down with different fronts and formations, they've been pivoting a bit. And a lot of teams are doing this. And Penn State is, I think, taking it to another level this year with a lot of their pulling linemen and getting him in a position where he's doing these things the right way. Another one of his big runs, it was a cutback on an inside zone. So he's integrating into the offense very well, but they're putting him in a position where his vision and his natural abilities from what he's been used to, you're not throwing all of that away. So it's a little bit they're fitting the system for him and he's fitting into the system a little more comfortably. Um, and that's really what I, I think they, they want to get that shorten that I was called shorten the learning curve for these freshmen. And I, this is where, when you talk about Mike Yersich and the scheme and people have been, uh, you know, unhappy with Mike Yersich and his play calling, this is where I think you see the, the evolution in that and the ability to adapt and they have so far, in my opinion, adapted. Well, last week I said on the post game show, there were a lot of runs that were super close because they had things blocked up. Well, mm-hmm. just needed to break one tackle. Well, he broke those tackles today. And, and nothing against uh Catron Allen looked similar, not exactly the same, but similar contributed out of the backfield in the passing game. Kevon Lee limited attempts, also getting more involved in the passing game, which I don't think a lot of people would have expected after the last two years. He's had 235 pounder getting involved the way that he does really adds a nice wrinkle. And again, it's the threat of having someone like Nick Singleton back there that is giving these options to Mike Yersich. So it's it's very nice to see. It's a nice change. And, and to that point, you see what the offensive line did. There were positives. There were negatives in this game. This is yep. not necessarily, again, it's a Mac opponent, so you're taking it for what it is. But still, what did you see out of the offensive line that felt encouraging? Uh, so a, a lot. Salim Wormley, once again, was yes. a force in, in the run game. And Olaf Shanu, again, a, a monster in pass protection. He is perfect. <laughs> he's just perfect. He's got the right length in the right places. Like he's got long legs, but he's not overly long. So he's not so short that he can't or so long that he can't get into a good position to run block. He's got super long arms. He's got smooth feet. I think we're still to see where his gaps are because he has not been tested by a a player of equal talent. But I I said this earlier this week on the Blue White Illustrated Lines and Message Forum. When you do all the little things well, it just looks right. So when you're watching him, he looks like a left tackle. He looks like the, the epitome of what you want out of that position because he's physically the right dimensions. He is uh, doing all the fundamentals and the little things very well. And those things are unlocking a lot of things for Penn State football in terms of a clean left side and pass protection and uh, really good. I think underrated right now run blocking. So those things are such a stabilizing force. And this is what I said before the season is you don't need a bunch of elephants up front. 
You don't need to have five maulers. You need to have everyone playing to a certain level of expectation and then a couple guys up front making dominant blocks every once in a while or one player or two players standing out. That is what can give you a great offensive line. If you got a player like Nick Singleton, if you got skill position players, Katron Allen ran over some dudes and made mm-hmm. people miss in the open field. So getting those guys in those situations, that's what you need to do. And they're able to do that now. Um, this was a little helter skelter of a game. It felt like the first half went by in a blink. And then the third quarter took 15 years. <laughs> you and I were texting each other. The third quarter just dragged. <laughs> so my analysis of the offensive line, I'd have a little more detail today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Landon Tangwall TBD really on how he did, but I didn't see anything bad. I thought he looked good, much improved in pass protection. Um, and I, you know, it looked clean up front for him. I did notice going back Hunter Norzad, Bryce Efner, both of them struggled today especially mm-hmm. in pass protection. So basically they flipped a coin and Bryce Efner got the tails. So he struggled at right tackle today while Caden Wall seemed to have a clean game. And Norzad did come out with an injury at one point. So we'll, yes. we'll give him that, uh, that acknowledgement there. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of things with the offensive line. Like I, I agree with you, the first quarter, first half, largely I'd say the pass protection actually felt quite good and there were gaps to run in, but at the same time, it really dwindled and it just makes you concerned for big 10 play. And then especially on the road at Auburn next week, that that's definitely something to think about. Um, I want to talk about what everybody's blowing up in the chat about, and it's drew Aller. Um, Again, if you want to donate to the channel, you can get involved in the super chat and donate. Your questions will be highlighted and we'll address as many of those as we can here live on the show that have donations behind them, but continue to send in your comments. Um, Drew Aller really looked solid, just like he did. Uh, Very limited action against Purdue, but Drew Aller looked extraordinarily promising, and I was thrilled to see him get in, as I mentioned, with 11 and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. I was lobbying on Pater for him to get in by the second half at the kickoff if the game was in hand. Now, granted, it was a three-score lead, but... I was not expecting this from James Franklin. Were you surprised when Aller got in as early as he did? Uh, no. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to my guy, Dave, who just uh, donated the channel. He, he's a regular here. I, he's got a bar stool. He was mad that I uh, changed the day of the mailbag. So I wanted to make sure, Dave, you're Ooh. here. Let's talk. Thank you, know. you David. Uh, <laughs> but J- James Franklin has talked about um, this year. If you go back to the post game against Purdue, and somebody asked who played a lot of guys, he said, I am determined to build depth this year. Trying to learn lessons, trying to grow as a person, I imagine. Um, and yeah, so I'm not necessarily surprised that he came in um, during the third quarter. This is, this is, I think, where the growth is. So 26 to, what was it, seven at that point? About, yeah. Yeah, so they scored right before halftime. So it was 26 to seven. Um, and that's where I think James Franklin won a 30 point lead before he puts in his starters or he pulls his starters and he puts in the backups, but Aller got him there with that touchdown. So that's the growth. I think from James Franklin that normally he would have gone in after the next series, but that next series would have be at the middle to end of the third quarter. You'd start chomping at the bit to see the young guys. He just had confidence in his second team. I think Drew Aller earned that confidence and that uh, that dependability there to come into the game and play the way he did with the way he played when Sean Clifford went in with cramps uh, against Purdue. Very small sample size, but as I said last week, he didn't flail. That's a huge first step. So against Ohio, putting him in there, I think that was not only growth for Drew Aller, but growth for the coaching staff to say, if we're determined to build depth and we want to know what we have behind Sean Clifford, we want to get those guys ready in case anything happens. We've got three guys that have freshman eligibility. So mm-hmm. let's get them ready. And they did that. So um, to answer your first question, I, I don't know if I'm surprised, but I am, I think, pleasantly pleased that they put their money where their mouth is before before the uh, game and came in and did what they said they were going to do. Uh, we're going to continue with Drew Aller here in just a second. I do want to address Dave's question here. Thank you, Dave, for uh, contributing to the channel. Diaz seems to force calls a la blitzing when the opponent is beating it with quick throws. Why? Can you answer Dave's exasperation? Uh, because he's Manny Diaz, and this is what you signed up for. <laughs> this I, I is will what say, you signed up for. I will, I will say this, uh, Dave, to your question, is that I, I don't believe outside of Chop Robinson – 
uh, and maybe Hakeem Beeman. He's had two consecutive uh, solid games. Those are really the only two guys that seem like they can win individual battles and get pressure without scheme. This yeah. is a defense that needs scheme to get pressure. And when I say needs scheme, I mean bringing extra guys to yeah. the quarterback because there was pressure, but it was not like the Ohio quarterbacks were really getting drilled into the ground. Um, so I think this is going to be consistent through yeah. the season. Um, what did you but see? This out is of the also Penn State who defense? he does. This, this is also yeah. even with a good defense. This is what he does is in third down. He goes kamikaze a lot of times. Here's my here's my issue is that I don't see a lot of guys that have a natural timing for it yet. And that's why you're doing all of that right now. Aside from that's his personality. You know, I went back uh, this offseason. I watched uh, Michigan State and Miami last year. And my Michigan State kept a lot of guys in in pass protection. So they keep the running back. They keep the tight end in. And a lot of times if you're in man coverage and your guy is blocking, that's an automatic call for you then to blitz. Uh, I think. So I, I believe it's called green dog by a lot of teams where it's like you read it, then you go. The problem is with some of these blitzes is that they're first off, they're not all that. That's just an example of how sometimes they can get a little bit cloudy. If they, if they max protect, then linebackers are going to fill. The problem is good quarterbacks against bad blitzers will find the holes in the zone. So I'll give you an example. And I, I knew that this was going to come up from uh, guys in the chat. And by the way, I got to throw this up here. Uh, Joe bot. He's already he's already knows my script. 500 likes on the video minimum. We're doing it today. Uh, thanks for everybody who's watching. Give the video a like and help us defeat the almighty algorithm. We will not bow to the Internet telling us what to do. We're going to do exactly what the Internet uh, tells us to do, and we're going to win. Anyway, thanks, Joe Bot. There you go. You, I, I have such extemporaneous thoughts. Let me just say it. Kobe King lined up four yards off the line of scrimmage. The quarterback is five yards, six yards in the backfield. He drops back. Kobe King has to read before he blitzes. So an average play by the quarterback is under three seconds to hold on to the football. King has to time that. So he runs nine yards in under two seconds. You have to time that right so that you're going at the snap if you're blitzing. That's when you got a delay, you know, and I saw Abdul Carter do this well as a run defender where he is in the backfield. He is triggering downhill and he's already there. He's got that natural knack and timing for for, you know, getting into his gap and surprising the offense. And I'm using Kobe King as an example because he was like nine yards away and then he was blitzing mm -hmm. after the snap. Like you're never going to get there. So you're just throwing bodies at the line of scrimmage. So timing that is more important. You've got to get that because the other thing is if you if you don't time it, then it makes the secondary have to cover in in tight man coverage. And what they'll do is they will play zone behind that. But if you've got three guys in the route and you got three guys deep, that's man coverage. So then you've got to make sure if you're those guys that you're not beating getting beat on double moves. So you might give up the first down on some of these, you know, third and mediums. One thing that's really encouraging, um, Curtis Rourke, who is a very good quarterback for the record, yeah. um, came into the game. He had 79% completion percentage against FAU. Granted, it's FAU, 360 yards passing in that game. This game, he was held to 119 yards passing, 47% completion percentage. That is in the neighborhood of what Penn State kept Aiden O'Connell to in terms of completion yeah. percentage, about 50%. Yeah. That's so encouraging. That is great to yeah. see in back-to-back -back weeks, and I yeah. think you can expect to see that against Auburn. T.J. Finley is not the most accurate passer ever, and then he's, you'll see he's that. He's a 50% passer when he's a good not day. facing Manny Diaz. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Now, later in the season, uh, can you do that to Cade McNamara? Can you do that yeah. against Minnesota? Can you do that against C.J. Stroud? I don't know. Probably not. There's a lot of weapons for Ohio State. And we're yeah. looking a ways down the track. But yeah. if yeah, you yeah. can hold passing teams to only 50% completion percentage and their running game is pointless to begin with coming into the game, you're doing great. You're in yeah. really good shape. So we're, we're here cri criticizing Manny Diaz and something that is a part of the nature of his system that allowed, uh, you know, 400 yards passing and 34 points in two games. Mm -hmm. That's, you know. I, well, 450, 500 yards. Anyway, it doesn't matter. About 250 a game and no touchdowns this week. So it is so far a very good system that's working, but um, I, I am a little bit, I, I agree with you. I think there are some things that have made me uncomfortable about this in terms of 
would I be comfortable if I was the defensive coordinator, if I was the head coach with some of these schematic principles? Mm -hmm. Uh, But by the way, the secondary played another great game today where uh, they in man coverage. A lot of this stuff is determined pre-snap. So on one particular play, you have uh, the Ohio receivers shifting into a bunch formation and trying to get one of those rub routes on. It was on the fourth down and they targeted Daquan Hardy, who they got earlier. But they did such a great job of switching on that where they, they take the, the inside guy takes the inside release. The outside guy takes the outside release. And then you don't have guys running into each other because that was a bit of an issue sometimes in the Purdue game and something they've been working on since the spring. I um, I was really impressed by that. I thought that was another example of this secondary is very good. One area that I'm interested in is Tig Brown in that Mm. Jaquan Brisker role this year. He's been a little hot and cold. Um, I think, you know, he'll get a lot of credit for playing well today, which he did. But the difference making plays that you saw last year from Jaquan Brisker when he was forced to play in the box uh, because of the the lack of run defense last year, you're not going to get that again this year unless things go haywire up front. But those impact plays close to the line of scrimmage, I think Tig is 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 a hair off in that. And to me, that's the difference between a guy that should have been a first round pick and Tig, who might be a third round pick or might be a fourth round pick as a safety. Just that athleticism, that burst and that that upper end ability where Jaquan Brisker is a starter this weekend in his first game as an NFL player. I'm seeing a little bit of a difference there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I didn't I did not expect Tig to come into this season and duplicate the six interceptions that he got last season. Y- you expected mm-hmm. a drop off just because this was going to be a different system. He uh, struggled with tackling in week one uh, against Purdue. Um, he got caught out in space badly against Curtis Rourke, and that is not something yep. uh, Jair Brown does. So I, I expect that to get corrected. Um, I do want to address a couple uh, donations of the Super Chat first, Dave. Uh, thank you again. Why did Aller try to kill Harrison Wallace? I, Harrison, I, I, Harrison, who ended with four <laughs> catches for 35 yards. Uh, yeah, there's definitely an instance where Harrison nearly got his head taken off. Yeah, I, I thought he meant Caden Wallace. I was like, I don't remember that. But yeah, it would trade Wallace on that slant. I like how he... he that happened, right? And and the TV broadcast was saying Aller needed to throw that in front and all things. Those things are technically true, but it was on the frame of the receiver. It just came in so hot at his face that he couldn't react to it. Right. Uh, so, you know, freshman mistakes and learning things in a blowout victory is a great place to be. And for the quarterback as well, every time that Aller goes out there, it seems like, okay, he's picking something up and it's just maybe doesn't make the same mistake twice. Uh, it could be yeah. his thing going forward. Um, a contribution here from Anthony. Thank you very much. Which freshman receiver were you most impressed with? Loved Amari Evans undressing his man on the <laughs> touchdown. What'd you think? So that was a great play design too. Uh, this, this was something that I, I highlighted that I wanted to talk about in the post game show, because it was a lot of really good things and it's going to fold into a negative here at the end where Amari Evans. Yeah. He ran his post and he was gone. There were not a ton of great athletes out there for Ohio, Um, and he made them look like that. But what happened is on that play, they sent Parker Washington in a jet sweep, and that brings the safety down. So the safeties rotate. So now you're in a single high set, whether you're going to be there or not. Anyway, I, you know, I don't know what the pre-snap call was, but that's the result, right? Is number 11, who's the better coverage player, he rotates down. Number 30, he's their kind of hybrid linebacker safety. He's now the free. He's got to cover deep and he did not. He was nowhere near where he should have been in his assignment based on the coverage. Right. Uh, so it, was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a cover zero. They weren't blitzing their brains out. He was just in the middle of the field, 10 yards away when he should have been 15 or 30. So the play action brings everybody down. Now you have a true one on one out there. And Amari Evans just ran by his guy and caught the touchdown with a great play from Aller. I loved all the elements of that from the play call to the execution. Um, you know, all the way down to taking advantage of guys that you can you can see on film, you want to target. Here's my problem. This is something that Showtime brought up is oh, the receivers other than Parker Washington were, were okay. Dropped balls again. I don't agree necessarily with your criticism here, Showtime, but I am concerned that starting unit, um, they aren't always open against man coverage. The last two weeks have been a bit of an issue where you have tight man coverage, guys don't get open, 
in those situations against Ohio, that should be somebody's breaking free for a touchdown. Someone needs to run away from their guy. Mm-hmm. Purdue, I still don't think had a great secondary, good defense. Yes. But in those Discipline. situations, if you have one-on-one and you're you're a Penn State receiver, you're that athlete against a corner or a safety, you need to get open. And I've seen too many examples of in that particular coverage, this is going to be something I think teams with better athletes down the road are going to see, and they're going to make that a heavier part of their game plan. Keep Clifford in the pocket with whatever rush you want to keep him in the pocket, tight man coverage, and then you'll risk that. Today, they had the same problem a couple of times, and it's like, I love Mitchell Tinsley. I love Parker Washington. Do they have the speed to get open in that situation? That's my concern. Zone, no problem. Mm-hmm. But in, in in man coverage, I'm a, I've got I'm keeping my eye on that. Yeah, that's been the story with Penn State's offense for a couple of years. Sean loves his zone, not necessarily stellar man, holds on to the ball a little bit too long. Yeah. That was evident uh, today. I do want to protect the wide receivers for Penn State. According to the official stat sheet, 17 receivers caught passes today for Penn State. 31 yeah. receptions, 338 yards, three touchdowns, one drop on the stat yeah. sheet. So Khalil Dinkins at the end of the game. Yes. And, and yeah. Dinkins caught a touchdown pass. So for yep. those that are saying, okay, there were drops. Um, you can maybe point that towards the quarterbacks in terms of overthrows or pass breakups. Uh, just putting the stats out there. I uh, want to give a big thank you to Stephen light for a hefty donation to blue white illustrated. We appreciate that. Thanks in advance, sitting back and enjoying all the freshmen who played. I, I agree. And it was something they were talking about on the broadcast is that, yeah, the future is very bright for this Penn State team. And it was clear to me, and I know we're talking a lot about Drew Aller, is that it's clear Drew Aller is he's running with the twos in practice and occasionally getting yeah. with the ones. So naturally, you build up that rapport with your freshman classmates, with those guys that are twos, threes, and fours. So that looked great. And then even on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of guys getting in. I love seeing Zane Durant in there late. That yeah. really was enticing yeah. to me. What do you think? Well, I, 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 this is where I was doing a thousand things to get ready for the show. So I did not have as close of an eye on the fourth quarter with some of those guys than I did earlier. Zane's come on a little slow. The, the hype train was so off the rails mm-hmm. for him. I remember I, the again, summer winter workouts. Yep. I, I was, I was the conductor of the runaway hype train, <laughs> but here's the thing is like, he's a freshman defensive tackle playing this season he's in the two deep uh he's replaced some guys on the depth chart essentially at this point but being on the field and making a difference i don't know that i've seen him making a difference yet he's been good he's been in his position i haven't seen anything bad from him there was one run that caught my eye um late in the game when i was doing some other things and it was to his side so i don't know if it was him or not so i don't want to put that on him but that's like i I haven't seen him pushing the pocket a whole lot and, and slipping blocks and being unblockable. There's a lot of that feeling in the preseason. So it's just been a little slower and a little more quiet than the two freshmen on the offensive side of the ball who have been now explosively good. And I'd say the same thing about Deny. Hasn't had a lot of opportunities yet to be a pass rusher, but he's been quiet in the opportunities he's been given. He was good, I think, at run defense today. That was one thing I was trying to keep an eye on. He had one really good pass rush, so it's it's there. Um but it, those D linemen just are going to need a little bit more time before they're really integrated into the into the pass rush, I think, especially. Um, and I, I did see Zane Durant get one good bull rush today. I, mm-hmm. I saw him push some guy, somebody in the pocket. So some good stuff, some good yeah. things. But those young guys, Abdul Carter, I think, is ahead of them in terms of integration into the defense and making plays because it's a little bit easier. He's not on the ball. Uh, Josh Gray, thank you for donating with your super sticker. So I'll throw your question up here. Thoughts on run blocking today. We touched on that a little bit earlier on here in the live post game show, but uh, overall feeling positive about it. It just didn't yeah. necessarily feel like I don't know if that offensive line is going to throw around big 10 defensive lines. What do you believe? Uh, I think they can at some point. Um, I think there are enough elements that you'll, so let's, let's talk about what does throw around mean? You're, put, you're not put up dominating. the same type of numbers that we saw today. Maybe not 170 plus for Singleton, but still. Right. But, but in those situations, that's one or two key blocks. Um, for the most part, unless you're a, a first round draft pick offensive lineman, you're Quinton, you know, Nelson or something like that, or Quinton Martin or a Quinton, somebody else named Quinton, who's been a first round pick. Apparently you have to be named Quentin in my head. Mm-hmm. It helps. Um, 
you're, you're not throwing other adult men around on a regular basis. That is not, that's a fallacy about, about football. For the most part, there's two or three good blocks a game, and a lot of it is people tripping over other people. But a couple critical blocks that are executed really well and you do move some people off the ball and you execute your assignment well, I think Olu Fashanu can do that. I think Mm -hmm. Salim Wormley can do that in the Big Ten. Those guys, so it's not everybody, but I still believe in in Landon Tegwall. I think he can get there. So then I've got three of five offensive linemen that I think have the ability to do that. And for his size... Caden Wallace should be able to do that from time to time. I've seen him get into some really good double teams with Wormley. I've seen that be a positive influence and force on that right side of the line, but it's not consistent. So no, they will not be throwing around big 10 offensive linemen on a regular basis because that doesn't have a, even last year, Michigan and all their running, they didn't really throw people around. They were just better at executing their blocks and getting into position and opening up lanes for guys that then, took full advantage of it. Um, you know, sometimes you do get there. So sometimes you blow people off the ball, but I think it's a little overstated. And this team can do some of those things. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I do want to briefly address special teams. Um, I, I loved what Barney Amore is doing. I, I loved what he did in this game. He had that one punt that just died inside the five. It was yeah. great. Leak Mega on special teams really stepping up considering he's not getting the opportunities at wide receiver. Yep. Not necessarily... Um, being bummed out by that and playing hard on special teams is great. Nick Singleton and Parker Washington, two excellent options for kick and punt returns, which uh, we we just haven't seen that for a few years. You see talented guys put back there, a lot yeah. Jahan Dotson and KJ Hamler, but the production hasn't been there. So I give credit to Stacey Collins, who's come in and obviously changed some things, which is great. Here's and my concern. Can I Go just ahead. quickly point this out? Uh, this is two times in a row now that Penn State has gone into the portal and found what's going to be an all Big Ten punter if things continue for Barney Amore. Mm. Uh, they have an edge in identifying talent on special teams. That is, I think, at this point, that's pretty clear. Now, the kicking game with Jake Penninger missing another field goal, that I, I do think is the other side of the coin here. But um, the identifying these good punters and then putting them in position to play and, and play well, that's a really great thing. By the way, 85 likes, we've got 235 people watching. Come on, help us yeah. out, defeat the almighty algorithm. I will not bow to the algorithm. So give us a like, help. Like, a like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. And if you feel like it, donate to the channel in the super chat because <laughs> your questions will definitely get answered. Um, I want to throw up a question here. Or no, before I get to this question here from Chuck, um, I do see your point about tight ends. Um, my point about special teams, Jake Pinnegar, uh, it, it is concerning because last year he was dubbed the short range kicker and that delineation between Pinnegar and Stout yeah. was the 42 uh, yard uh, field goal by James Franklin. And ironically, he missed a 42 yard field goal. I believe he yeah. missed an extra point as well. Pinnegar, I'd felt uh, pretty good about, honestly, the last few years. And I was kind of concerned. I'm like, where is he? Why isn't he playing? Jordan Stout was not the greatest kicker ever, but yeah. a good punter, a great punter. Um, does this cause any concern for you with Pinnegar long term? Long term? Not long term, short term. You know, I think it's consistently documented now that he he has struggled with consistency. So, yeah, I uh, I, I would be concerned. And then it becomes how quickly can Sanders Sahedek uh you know, fight for that job of being the full-time kicker. And mm-hmm. will that happen? So I don't, I don't know. Uh, and I've always maintained, I am not a specialist expert. I don't grade. I don't evaluate the special teams outside of some observational things. Um, so yeah, I I'm in the same boat as fans of like, Ooh, I don't know how that's going to play out. That's not great. It's, 
it's funny because I, I last year on Paydirt, I would constantly go after James Franklin for going forward on fourth and short in between, um, you know, the opponent's side of the fifty yard line and thirty yard line on their side, and yeah. a lot of that was due to the kicking woes. But still, there's James Franklin getting in the weeds with analytics, wanting to take a chance here and there. And it really, we are on opposite sides of that. I love it, that. It, it drove me nuts because their conversion percentage was not breathtaking, and I just, I frankly didn't like play design most the time but you could see they were limited with options now that you see oh yeah pinnegar's range is maybe 40 i'm more okay with it than i was last season and not that yeah. jordan stout's range was exponentially better in terms of accuracy but still um hopefully because of this the, the additions in the running game with singleton and allen and that creating some different elements um for the penn state offense it's going to loosen up the options for those fourth down and short opportunities in enemy territory. So yeah, I'm interested in that. And the offensive um, line is better. Like, it, I'm sorry. Yes. I'm not going to be negative about this as much as Incrementally. they have a problem at right tackle. They have better athletes though, Tom, like they got better athletes and that's a huge thing. Last season, your best player was not playing like a good player. He was playing like an average player. This right. season, your best offensive lineman is playing like a force. You just, I can't even tell you how much of a difference that can make for you from a play calling perspective. We're seeing actual play design that is playing off one another, like one play playing off another, because there's a threat of a thing happening. There's actually a threat that you can block that. So mm -hmm. you've got to be paying attention to it. Uh, mm -hmm. The analytics would say that play action is, is completely uncoupled from your ability to run the game, uh, run the football. And to a point, that's true. The threat of having a run play on every play, like the 50-50 nature of what you're looking at on defense, that's true. But if the realistic probability in a game of they've run the ball five times and it hasn't gone well any of those times, that does change the mentality of a defense. At least for now, until proven otherwise, Penn State has the ability to run the football uh, in a meaningful way. Even if it, you disagree with what I say about the Purdue game, if you go back and you watch the film, Watch the blocking, not the ball, the blocking. It is exponentially better this year. It is light years better. There's still problems, still guys missing blocks. Tyler Warren's been falling off a couple more blocks than I expected. Some of the tight ends, some of those things. But, you know, the linemen in general are doing their job more often. And, like, I, I am going to put my foot down on that when it comes to they're not running the ball well this year. They are blocking it's, it has better. improved it is incrementally better and hopefully it continues to get incrementally better um i want to get to chuck's question here um i'd like to see us use uh, utilize our tight ends more maybe saving that for auburn honestly i mean i think this thought of should we use the tight ends more and when is that going to be used i've asked that question for a couple <laughs> years now and james franklin has said that this is the best tight end uh, room that he's ever had and granted we've seen gasicki and fryer moves yeah. and jesse games maybe this tight end room is not as good as people say it is. But has anybody thought of that yet? And it's not that they're not talented athletes or anything, but clearly the lack of usage might indicate something. What does it indicate to you? Uh, so I think if we only, we we're only looking at the tight end usage in terms of receiving. So they are using them as run blockers and you mm -hmm. have to discuss that as well formationally they're doing things with two tight ends that you cannot do unless you have two guys that are a real threat uh, to be receivers and run blockers. Some of the things I talked about on the, the BWI daily yesterday and five things to watch for was, uh, you know, I went in this long deep dive on the pistol formation, which you saw today from Ohio and James Franklin explained some of the ways that that helps you in the run game. And then afterwards explained some of the other ways you can break your own tendencies. So if you want to go check out that, 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 you know, go, we won't waste time on that. But when you have two tight ends on the field, especially if you've got them on either side of the offensive line, you are balancing your formation and you're not tipping your hand about which way you're going to run the football because where the back is aligned can tell the defense, okay, so they're going to run to the right or they're probably going to run to the left based on your formation. If you have balanced formations, it's harder to do that because you can then break your tendencies, do different schemes from that from that look and you've got to have two tight ends on the field. I think we're going to see more when it comes to shifting. This is what I would do. Okay. So now we've established that we've got two tight ends. We're under center. We've got a balanced run. Look, you might bring a guy into the box 
okay, now we're going to shift. Quarterback goes in the shotgun. Those tight ends split out wide, or one of them splits out wide. And now we've got you in a disadvantage because we've got uh, Theo Johnson, who hasn't played, by the way. And that's another part of this conversation. Theo Johnson is allegedly their best receiver, although last year I thought he could do better. Um, They're missing him. And I've overestimated what Tyler Warren was going to do so far this year, but he has made some key plays, just not been a consistent threat. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very complicated problem. The run game is a part of it. And the quarterback throwing to the receivers. Like if he throws to the receivers because he's comfortable throwing to the outside of the field, I think that's also got to be stated. So I haven't seen a lot of wide open tight ends not being used is the other thing. Um, I want to get to a question here. Thank you, Showtime53, for the donation in the super chat. Um, we did address this earlier in terms of the blitz rate um, from Manny Diaz going forward. Should that be used as much? Whether it should or should not be. Uh, as <laughs> you said, <laughs> this is Manny Diaz. This is what yeah. he does. And I genuinely think, uh, Showtime, that this team, in terms of its front seven, does not have the singular athlete a la Arnold Ebiketti. Maybe Chop Robinson's that guy, and he looked Ooh, good today. buddy. I what? love some Chop Robinson now. I like Ooh. Chop. No, I like Chop, too. It's just early. I want to see more of Chop. But he might be the answer to Ebiketti was the lone stand, uh, you know, single uh, matchup. Uh, let me phrase this better, but can't speak English right now. Ebiketti was the only pass rusher who could win without scheme last year. Yep. Period. Yeah, yeah. Top sure. Robinson might be that answer this year. So far, it looks like he is. Yeah. Outside of that, Penn State needs Manny Diaz's scheme and blitz rate to get pressure. And even then, they weren't exactly crushing the Ohio quarterbacks for this game. Yeah, so I I really like what I saw from Chop Robinson in two games so far, where he's getting on the edge of players and he's making a difference in the backfield. Early, too, in the run game today. Everything you're hoping for of his his conversion back to what he should be. I firmly disagree that he was a hybrid player. Mm. I think by next season, he's going to be 250 pounds. He's going to be six, three. He's going to be a monster defensive end. And he's already got the strength through contact. So these are the things, you know, that I'm looking for when I'm looking at a pass rusher that I don't see right now with Adisa Isaac, where he is not strong through contact. He's got the speed up field, but I was concerned beforehand when he was, you know, in 2019 or 2020, watching him play, he's a little more Shaka Tony than he is Arnold Abikiti, where I need to see a little more power around the edge. You know, like you watch Von Miller on Thursday Night Football, mm-hmm. where he get he gets into the defensive or uh, the offensive lineman, and he's able to use his strength to turn around to bend, you know, bend the edge. That's why I call it bending the edge to get to the quarterback. Chop has that. And he's, you know, listed uh, six to eight pounds lighter. I think it's 244 and 249. He's he's listed as a smaller player technically, but he's a stronger athlete. So I've seen what I need, but you're right, against better offensive linemen. How does that play out? And I think that that's where, kind of like with Fashanu, I want to see him tested against better players because I have seen Fashanu handle him. I saw Bryce Effner get some good reps in practice against him. So he's not unblockable, but he is a handful for everyone so far. Uh, and Johnny Dixon, let's not forget Johnny Dixon is now developing uh, a reputation as everything I just said about the the blitz and, and having instincts to get in the backfield. Dixon's come up now with two critical sacks in two games. So he's developing a re- reputation as a good slot blitzer. That's a good early return to somebody who's executing the scheme properly. So up next, Penn State goes to Auburn for an SEC battle, uh, second game of a home-and-home. Last year, Penn State beat Auburn at Beaver Stadium. Um, This is going to be a challenge. I think the environment is going to be a big factor in that. Auburn, um, I don't necessarily think they're going to be the more talented team on the field. Um, I think Penn State, based on the depth that we've seen, is going to have the edge there. But I don't necessarily know if you can pick outright which team is actually going to win this game. So how do you feel about Penn State going in to Auburn? Who's showing up at quarterback? And I'm not talking about Drew Aller and Sean Clifford. I'm talking about which Sean Clifford is showing up because he was throwing some dimes out there. And and I, I have to go back and I have to watch the film on some of those plays where he's not throwing the football. They did get so on one of them. I know there was a double move and Hunter Norzad, who struggled in the game, even, you know, uh, before his injury was was having a hard time in pass protection. 
he didn't have enough time for that double move. He ate the ball and took a sack, which is actually the right decision there. But on some of those plays, you know, you got to see the full view, like what was what was going on in, in coverage. Did, what did, what haven't we seen from the TV copy? But he threw some dimes today, putting the ball in for a touchdown to Mitchell Tinsley with the safety cutting over top on a play action. That was an impressive throw. And I thought they, the, the broadcast team had it correctly today, mm-hmm. where I'm always so frustrated trying to encapsulate what Sean Clifford is because clearly the arm talent is different than drew Aller, but he's not incapable of making throws when his feet are set. It's just when he's off platform, he's bad. Um, and if they get him off platform, then he's going to be bad, but he was throwing some dimes. Jaden Dotton, somebody in the chat, uh, who was complaining, I think it was actually showtime was saying something about number 19, dropping the ball. Yeah. That play in between three defenders on, I think it was an in cut, uh, that was amazing. That throw was excellent. That's a game-defining throw. You need more of those against teams that aren't Ohio. So does he show up next week? Is he poised on the road? If I believe he's going to battle back through mistakes, but how do you get him to play at that level on the road? That's the only question I have because that and what is Auburn? I haven't watched their film yet. But I, you know, I think the rest of the team, you're right. They're, Penn State's a very good team. Auburn is not in a good position under Brian Harson as of yet in their program development. I'll say this going into Auburn. I want to see more of Nick Singleton. Um, we talked about 10 attempts, 179 yards, two touchdowns. There's a lot to like there. Um, also yeah. had uh, one catch for no yardage, but I, I do expect that number to go up. I think he's able to contribute yep. in that space. Check what, out the snap count. And I, I'm yes. sorry, not to cut you off, but you're absolutely right. Check, I want to check out the snap count because I did not see a lot of Kevon Lee. I think that's already changed from the one-to-one-to-one ratio. I yep. already think they're on to Singleton, Allen, and then Lee is a situational guy. And I want to give credit to Kevon. Kevon looks different this year. He looks better than he did last year and the year before. Yeah. So I, I do want to give him credit. And Devin Ford is a nice wrinkle out of the backfield. There, there yeah. are a lot of good options. Um, my point to Singleton, he has 10 carries in this game against Ohio. Somehow Sean Clifford had eight carries. That is, that's bad. That yeah. should not be happening. Well, they, count, now, they, they count scrambles. Yes, but we can agree that Sean Clifford was potentially holding the ball a little bit too long uh, through portions of this game, and he was able to scramble. As you mentioned, there were wide receivers not necessarily getting open in certain situations. So Sean is running out of necessity. That is not a good formula for Penn State. And also the quarterback draws. I'm good with never seeing them again because (laughs) Sean Clifford's not fast enough to beat SEC or Big Ten defenders, most of them. And at the same time, I think we can agree Drew Aller is not fast enough to beat these guys. He's mobile a little bit, but he's not necessarily doing that. So I'm done with the QB draws. He was goofy looking. (laughs) He's so big and strong, which is great. And he can move a little bit, but it should not be let's snap it to the guy. And especially considering here's the overarching thing, and I'll end on this, is that Sean Clifford's injury prone. You Mm -hmm. do not want to get Drew Aller hurt. And it's nothing against Christian Veyer. I think Christian Veyer could come in and be a serviceable replacement, but you don't want to get Drew Aller hurt at this point. You don't want to get Sean Clifford hurt at this point against Auburn. Enough so, T. Frank, that I'm looking down the track, regardless of what happens against Auburn, I don't want to see Sean Clifford play against Central Michigan. What no, you yeah. tell me the tell me the value of Sean Clifford playing against Central Michigan. You don't lose the game. Uh, you, you know, you I, don't win the game with Drew Aller? I don't know. I don't think anyone knows that. Tom, I know I on. know that Sean will start the game because that's what James Franklin will do. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, why would Sean play this game? It's not the preseason. All the games count. That's that's the thing. It's like all the games count if something count goes you, wrong. Frank, but at the same time, you scheduled Ohio and Central Michigan in September for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, there are still things that the starting offense has to work on together, and that requires the starting quarterback. So you want the run game to be better. You want your quarterback who's going to be making the calls against Northwestern and against in that meat grinder of Minnesota. Uh, and and uh, I think Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan, and Northwestern's not a gimme either. Yeah, so so you've got to button up some things from the offense in general. James Franklin talked about being frustrated going into the half against Ohio that 
you know, they're inconsistent at times. And, and I've said previously that stems from the guy who starts, he's an inconsistent player. So that when the quarterback's inconsistent, that the offense is inconsistent, but if you can get everyone else to be super consistent and you get everyone on the same page, you, th- those are valuable reps to get your offense together. And I, this is something that I think is really important to understand too. This is not the NFL and this is not 30 years ago when it comes to practice time Two a days were not optimal for physical performance, but they were for understanding the offense and all of the subtle things that go into a uh, coordinated attack, which is what football is. So you have valuable practice reps and that's it. You need to get more of these with your offense as a whole unit so that you iron out some of the wrinkles, you give more tape for these guys to play. And also Sean Clifford still wants to go to the NFL. If you take a game away from him and you take that tape off of uh, his hands, like that's, that's a disservice to him. So I understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying of give Aller all those practice reps, keep Sean Clifford healthy. It's just not a in the real world thing because there are too many other no i know what's going to happen i'm just saying here reasonably for the future of the program why not (laughs) i mean if if okay so sean clifford goes out and they're up 21 uh to nothing against central michigan Mm -hmm. and you want to put drew aller in the second quarter sure oh sure yeah very similar to what you saw today that'll probably be the case that'll be the script yeah we shall see. Uh, so Penn State goes on the road next week uh, to face Auburn at Auburn. Very excited about that. Uh, we're going to plug some stuff here. If you know me from my podcast, Pater to Penn State Football Show, presented by the Believe Network and ESPN Radio State College, myself and Matt McGloin have recaps and previews of every game, plus exclusive interviews with former Penn State Nittany Lion players from throughout the ages. So you can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tune in wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if you have not already, sign up for Blue White Illustrated and subscribe because it's just a dollar a month. Head to on3.com and search Blue White Illustrated for the homepage to sign up today. So again, Penn State walks out of this game with a 46 to 10 victory. Was that enough points? Was that enough points? I'm very happy about those points okay. because they covered the spread, which was 24 and a half. So if yeah. you guys decided to bet that, congratulations. Thomas Frankar, I am Tom Hannafin, and we'll see you again down the line here for more Blue White Illustrated live postgame coverage. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.